Digging deeper into the day's top stories, you're listening to Jeff Andreas on 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Welcome in to the Jeff Andreas Show. Thank you so much for being here with me today. It is Friday, April the 3rd. I hope everyone out there is staying positive and staying connected with the ones they love and, of course, staying in as much as possible. It's a pretty good day to do that. It is uh, snowing like crazy out there right now. Uh, So hopefully we can all get through these troubling times together. And, you know, life is weird right now. There's no doubt about that. And like I said, we will, I think, get through this. I don't know how many times I have heard our provincial health officials tell us that, of course, that is going to be the case. We are getting through this and we will of course get through this together. Yeah, that's Dr. Bonnie Henry. We hear that uh, same message pretty much every day when she does give her daily press briefing. And, and of course, you know, she's not alone. We also have Health Minister Adrian Dix uh, relaying similar messages. There are rules that protect your community. There are rules that protect your friends. There are rules that protect your family. And there are rules that protect the ones you love. And we need, as always, 100% of people to follow rules, especially those who will be returning to Canada in the days and weeks to come. Now, that's the key right there, right? 100% compliance. But are we actually seeing that? I mean, when, when I look out across downtown Kamloops each and every day, it feels like people are getting the message. You know, there are very few vehicles on the road compared to normal, very few people walking around at all these days. I'm seeing more and more people wearing masks out each and every day when they are out on the street. So people are listening. People are taking precautions. But is it enough? The reason it is going to take, in my opinion, a little longer than it probably needs to to get through this, not way longer, but a little bit longer, is because... Not everyone has unfortunately bought in. That is just the reality of the world we live in. 98% maybe have bought into what we need to do in order to get through this pandemic, but that still leaves some 2% out there to ruin it for the rest of us. Hopefully things like this aren't happening in our neck of the woods, but it's not hard to find examples of COVIDians, as we like to call them now, uh, who do in fact exist out there in the world. A case in Stewart, Florida from Wednesday of this week. I'll I'll tell you the story here. A 38-year-old woman was arrested for violating the governor's orders. So here's the story. Melissa Barton Schmidt thought it was a nice day to take a walk in downtown Stewart. She decided to share her experience on Facebook Live. While broadcasting, Melissa discussed the fact that she had recently been tested for COVID-19 and has not yet received test results. In one of her posts, she discussed how she believed her test would come back positive, and people should remain in their homes to stay safe. This, of course, got the attention of those who knew Melissa and were watching her Facebook Live post. Police were called and responded to the area. When officers arrived, Smith became agitated and began to cause a disturbance. She told officers that she was tested 11 days ago and has not yet received results. Melissa Barton Schmidt was arrested and charged with disorderly conduct and the violation of an executive order. And police in this case felt it necessary to state that generally it does not publicize private medical information. But in this case, the suspect waived her right to privacy when she posted the information publicly on social media. I know that there is an abnormal amount of crazy people in Florida. I'm sure many out there have played the fun game where you type your birthday into Google and then you write a Florida man and just see what ridiculous news articles pop up. Unfortunately, though, not all crazy people do live in Florida. They do provide great examples, but not everyone, of course, is in that one state. There are some living right here in our own backyard, and it is people like this who make these unnecessary decisions to go out when they just don't need to. They, they are the ones that will infect and will affect other people. They're going to make this last a little bit longer than it needs to, which is just a little bit longer than any of us want it to last. So 
to these uh, 98% out there. Keep doing what you're doing. You're doing a great job. And to those 2%, well, there probably isn't much I can say because I highly doubt you're tuned into a show like this. And by the way, those percentages I just made up, but uh, I feel like those are pretty accurate numbers in my head. Anyways, speaking of... I do have a good show lined up here today. In the back half of the program, I'm going to be joined by the Honorable Miriam Mossif. She is the Minister for Women and Gender Equality and Rural Economic Development. We will discuss just what life is like as an MP these days, you know, life as a minister in these times, and the need to resume Parliament, of course, in order to amend legislation for a wage subsidy program, what was passed um, last week, but it has now swelled into that $71 billion package this week for virtually all sectors of the economy, including restaurants, nonprofits, charities, and other large corporations. So that conversation will be coming up at around the 35-minute mark of this hour. To end things off, well, I'm going to be joined by the Kamloops Center for the Arts Society President, Norm Daly. Tomorrow was the day. I'm sure many out there maybe have already forgotten, but tomorrow we here in Kamloops were set to vote on whether we felt comfortable borrowing $45 million to build a new art center here in our community. I will be asking Norm, you know, just how disappointing is it right now that this vote is not going to be going ahead tomorrow? If he has any fear that momentum for the project will be lost due to COVID-19. And of course, really the big question, if there may be worries now that not many people were, are, are going to vote yes, not as many people anyway are going to vote yes now than they would have, you know, a couple of weeks ago because of the economic uncertainties that we are currently facing. It's a normal journey at around the 50-minute mark of the show. I do feel, you know, that uh, given everything we had heard and all the, the momentum that was building around the Vote Yes campaigns and, you know, so many different organizations were promoting the Kamloops Center for the Arts as a great project for the community, and I totally get it. You know, it's, it's something that is, is lacking a facility for these performing arts, and, and not just performing arts, but other arts as well, right? That's why it was dropped. They, they didn't call it a performing arts center. They called it the Kamloops Center for the Arts because it wasn't just supposed to encompass performing arts like was the old Vote that was, uh, you know, with, four years ago, right? That was the vote uh, for that was a performing arts center. This one was supposed to be more all-encompassing. And there was a real appetite, I feel, in the community. But now, I'm just not so sure. I'm not so sure how uh, people will feel about voting to, to borrow $45 million at a time where... Uh, you know, it, it's just too difficult to know what the future looks like right now. Speaking of the Art Center, of course, James McDonald with the Canada West Theatre, one of the organizations in the community that really would have benefited from a new Art Center. He appeared on the NL Morning News today with Howie Reimer. Uh, James had this to say about the project and the fact that, you know, there is no vote tomorrow and just the kind of the whole situation given the times that we're currently living in. Tony, it seems like such a long time ago now. It was only two weeks ago that uh, the referendum, not even two weeks, that the referendum was postponed. And uh, it seems like a long way away for some reason. But, uh, you know, at some point we'll hope to get it back in the minds of people. And uh, like I say, I think the the big thing is we will be looking for opportunities to gather as a community uh, one way or the other. So we'll see how the uh, Center for the Arts fits into that. You know, it's funny because just uh, what, two and a half weeks ago, something along those lines, maybe just a little bit more than that, uh, Howie was away. Howie Reimer was away. And, uh, you know, I was filling in for him on the NL Morning News show. And Kurt and I, Kurt Appleby, of course, before he uh, was stuck isolated for what feels like the rest of time here. Uh, but yeah, so before he went on his trip to Arizona, which of course has cost him um, the ability to leave the house for two weeks, and well, now that's a, just an extension of those two weeks, so I think he's on week three now of his uh, self-isolating. But anyway, I digress. Uh, when I was hosting that morning show, Kurt and I decided to put out uh, a poll question that asked, you know, should the city consider delaying the Kamloops Center for the Art referendum vote? And vast majority of people out there who did respond said, no, we should not be postponed 
postponing it. Let's go ahead as planned. And then about three, four, or what was it, two days later, I think it was two days after we discussed that poll question, the WHO declared that uh, there was a global pandemic. And then just a few short days after that, the Arts Center referendum vote was put on hold. So we were just a little bit too early, but it's amazing how quickly things did change over the course of that time. And like McDonald just said there in that clip, that felt like forever ago. I cannot believe how long ago that was already. All right, but coming up next, I am going to be joined by uh, the camp, or sorry, the Canadian Federation for Independent Business. Small businesses are very much at risk, and many shuttered businesses do not believe they will be able to reemerge after the pandemic has ended. A new survey by the CFIB found that 32% of respondents are unsure if they'll be able to reopen, even with the federal government's 75% wage subsidy for small and medium-sized businesses. That we've seen, um, you know, their revenues have dropped by 30%. The study suggests that on average. The coronavirus has cost each small business across the country about $160,000 when factoring things such as lost sales, slowed or halted production, and canceled plans. Um, provinces like Alberta have seen their small businesses lose an average of about $214,000. And in B.C., that number is uh, about $176,000. So obviously significant losses coming to businesses as a result of COVID-19. So just how plausible is it to expect companies to rebound after these significant losses? Well, stay tuned because I'll be chatting with Muriel Protzer, CFIB's Senior Policy Analyst here in BC. That chat will be coming up next, so please stick around. The voice of your community. Radio NL 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Here's Jeff Andreas. Welcome back to the Jeff Andreas Show. Thanks so much for being with me here on April 3rd. Small businesses are by far most at risk in this current economic climate that has come as a result of COVID-19, and many of the already shuttered businesses don't believe that they will be able to reopen following the pandemic. A survey by the Canadian Federation of Independent Business found that about 32% of respondents are unsure if they will be able to reopen, even with the federal government announcing a, a quite substantial help for those businesses. Here now to expand on that study, a senior policy analyst for the Canadian Federation of Independent and business here in BC, Muriel Protzer. Muriel, thanks so much for taking the time. Good morning. Thanks so much for having CFIB on. Yeah. So when it comes to small businesses, you know, the backbone of our economy, as we all like to, to say, you know, ju just how dire is this situation looking right now? I mean, this survey is, is eye-opening. Well, the impacts on small business right now are significant. Many either are being told by the government to close their doors or having to make that difficult decision themselves. Uh, as you said, from our survey data, we're seeing that out of business who are already uh, closed, who have closed their doors, one third of them are unsure if they will be open, uh, able to reopen again once we do come back to some sort of normality. And uh, while we have seen some really great programs announced at the federal level and even at the provincial level here in D.C., uh, businesses uh, still have these fixed costs like rent to pay. April 1st is just a couple days ago. Uh, not just residents having to pay their rent, a lot of small businesses as well. And many uh, not sure if they would be able to pay that cost. I'm not sure where they're at now, but certainly uh, small businesses are feeling the struggle too right now. When, when you kind of went through some of this data, was there any particular sectors that you maybe noticed that might seem a little bit more vulnerable than others? I mean, I would think like a lot of restaurant owners might be in a real tough spot, right? That's one that kind of pops out to me as something that, you know, if you don't have uh, customers on a daily basis, it's going to hurt you real quick. Is there any other sectors that you saw particularly that might be in danger here as a result in, in the immediate 
absolutely hospitality industry huge right now um, having to put in those safeguards uh, having your customers no more than not standing two meters away from each other um, so then being uh, really impacted but restaurants like you say I think are really feeling uh, the pinch right now in British Columbia uh, they have been ordered to close their door to having in dining service so many of them having to switch over to only take out um, services uh, delivery services um, having that shift is, is a huge significance uh, for those small businesses. Many of them used to getting most of their revenues and their employees getting uh, those tip-outs from uh, serving and waiting on tables. So a huge shift for both the business and their employees there. I mean, with, from the Canadian Federation of Independent Business standpoint, I guess just, just how scary are our times right now for small business owners i mean this is probably something that um you you never really seen before and it's probably hard to gauge just how long some of these places can really hold on yeah you really hit the nail on uh, the head there um lots of small businesses just don't know i think they're taking things day by day at this point news about the pandemic is changing by the minute so having to interpret that in terms of, okay, how does this impact me and my family? And then furthermore, my business and my employees, which are like extended family to some small businesses, um, making them uh, have to consider the realities of this and will they be able to open their doors again and how long can they stay afloat? Um, well, we have seen great programs, federal government, the wage subsidy, uh, which will cover up to 75% of employee wages. It's great to see that program, something CFIB strongly supports. Um, however, there is the concern that we may not see these funds coming available until mid-May. That's a long time from now. Um, so for a small business to have to keep afloat, uh, make sure that your employees are getting paid, um, <laughs> trying to scrounge up as much revenues as you can from your customers uh, for the next month and a half while things are, are still so fluid and changing, it's, it's a huge challenge for small businesses. Yeah, when talking about that that time frame, right? I think the what I had heard was you know three weeks was the earliest that things might start to roll out, and that seems pretty ambitious when talking about a government program to get out that quickly. And six weeks was sort of the more realistic timeline. Uh, we already just saw here earlier in this week, you know, April first came and went, and and rent was of course due. And when we're talking about six weeks from now, you know, there's going to be another month's rent that is going to be due. Um, you know, it's just got to be almost really, really challenging for people to look at and say, you know, uh, they have a target date here when they're looking at the first of the month saying, I'm going to owe so, so much money. Um, I guess, just, is it, is that really the biggest thing that we can look at here is rent costs? I mean, just cause I'm thinking about, uh, you know, hydro would probably be down significantly for a lot of places and you know, their, their wages are going to be going down as a result of either laying off staff or being able to use the government supports to be able to pay 75% of wages. So there's some positives there in being able to save some money, but rent is not going anywhere. That's absolutely true. And from the survey data that we've collected uh, over the past week from small businesses, we found that a quarter cannot pay their their uh, their rent in April, their rent or their mortgage. So that's that's extremely concerning. Uh, CFIB is urging landlords to be lenient during this time. Um, it's in the best interest for them, really, if they were to lose that tenant. Uh, I'm not sure what they'd do for the next uh, coming weeks or even months for that matter. I'm not sure someone would be able to step in and fill that spot. So it's really uh, for the best for the landlord and the tenant that uh, there's some leniency and flexibility in terms of those rent payments. Um, but while this is all just 
things we can talk about and things we can hope for. What we really hope to see is the provincial governments across Canada really step up and help fill that gap. Fill that gap. Mm-hmm. In British Columbia, for example, we did see some rent relief um, for residents, $500 a month. That was really great to see on the residential frontier. But uh, as we're talking about right now, small businesses also have these costs. And we really are strongly urging provincial governments to step in and help with that regard. Uh, One thing, too, I wanted to kind of point out, I mean, this survey was conducted online starting on March 27th, so about a week ago. And, you know, at that point, it was saying, you know, one third of small businesses worried they might not reopen. Do you think, you know, over the course of that past week that these numbers could actually have gone up more than, than they are showing right now? Absolutely. And they have. We have been issuing a survey uh, each week for the past three weeks. This is the third edition of our survey and we're seeing more and more businesses close. Um, So uh, last week um, we saw more so about one in three businesses still fully open. Now we're just seeing 21% fully open at this point. We're issuing another survey. It's going out later today. Um, so we can continue to collect data and update uh, government and uh, and all citizens so they know what's happening with small business right now. Uh, I am seeing a lot of efforts on local frontiers to support small businesses. Me, myself, on my lunch breaks, I like to go out for a walk and get takeout from some of my uh, favorite local spots. And I see, uh, you know, other people online doing the same sort of practice. Um, so it is really great to see people out there supporting small business, but it's so important we talk about the implications of this pandemic on our local economies. Yeah, Muriel, I'll get you out of here on this. I guess just, you know, you, you've talked about how you're, you're putting that message out to the province to be able to come up with more support. You've, you're putting the message out to landlords to say, hey, try to be, you know, easy when it comes to your tenants right now because we're all going through a rough time. What is the message right now to small businesses that are worried they might not reopen? I mean, is there any words of encouragement that the CFIB can give them to say, hey, we're going to power through this or, or, you know, I don't even know what the message could be at this point. Absolutely. Small business owners, you know, for the most part, they are extremely optimistic people. They take on a lot of risk when opening a business and you have to have some some sort of level of optimism to keep going and keep at it every single day. And we've opened up our lines to all small small business owners across Canada who may have questions um, regarding COVID-19 or other questions for that matter regarding their business. They can call in, ask those questions. We've got those answers for them. We want to make sure that whatever information is out there, they're getting the right answers, any programs, financial support, um, that they'll know how to apply and when applications are open. Uh, any small business out there listening, you can go to cfib.ca slash COVID-19, find out all the information there, and we've got our number listed if you'd like to give us a call. Well, Muriel, thank you so much for taking the time. Really appreciate you coming back on the show and talking about these surveys. And uh, yeah, I'll keep my eye out for the next one. And hopefully things will start to get better. But uh, I think it might be a little while before we see that. But thanks so much. Thanks so much for having CFIB. Appreciate it. Awesome. That was Muriel Protzer, Senior Policy Analyst for the Canadian Federation of Independent Business here in BC. And of course, a great message that she gave there uh, to make sure you do go out and support local business. There's a lot of campaigns right now to tell people to go out and support local. Uh, We can't just say it. We got to go do it in order to keep these places open and running. And and of course, that supports uh, the people here in our community, which uh, we all care, I hope, a little bit about. Coming up after the break, I'll be joined by the Minister for Women and Gender Equality and Rural Economic Development at the federal level. So stay tuned. Miriam Monsef will join me after this. Your opinion. Call or text 250-374-5345. Find us on Facebook or on Twitter at Radio NL News. This is Jeff Andreas on RadioNL.com. 
Welcome to the Jeff Andrea Show, and thanks so much for tuning in here with me. I am joined on the line now by the Honorable Miriam Mossif, Minister for Women and Gender Equality and Rural Economic Development. Miriam, thank you so much for taking the time. It's my pleasure. So I wanted to just to kind of start off by looking at, you know, what's happening in terms of, of the federal government and the actual work that is going on. We've we've heard a recent call from Prime Minister Trudeau talking about the possibility of Parliament, you know, getting back in session in the near future. Um, you know, just as an MP and as a cabinet minister, just what has life been like for you over these past few weeks? And, and do you think it's really important really to start getting back into the House of Commons to be able to do some work to help combat COVID-19? That's a great question. Uh, the last three and a half weeks have been surreal. Uh, we have gone from uh, working on Parliament Hill and doing business in, in rooms where we sit around tables uh, and make decisions, doing business in hallways by chatting with our colleagues and moving things forward and bringing people together uh, for conferences and consultations. Uh, we've gone from all of that to everybody stay home and everybody work from home. And, you know, the public service has been amazing. Uh, you know, we may not be on Parliament Hill, uh, but I can tell you that people are working morning till night and through their weekends for the past three weeks because everybody recognizes that this is a really significant moment in our history and for our country and that there is a lot at stake. So there's a lot of conversations on the phone. My ears are ringing at the end of the night, as I'm sure everybody else's are. Uh, there is a lot of, uh, there's flurries of emails and voice messages coming in about questions, but also feedback on the measures we're introducing to help Canadians cope with the COVID reality, uh, but the work hasn't stopped and the Prime Minister announced uh, that Parliament will be recalled so that we can table and approve further emergency legislation, further support for Canadians uh, at a date and time that will be determined soon. This will be the second time that Parliament's been recalled since we decided everybody should go home uh, to prevent the spread of COVID. So what, what did that look like the last time Parliament was recalled and sort of what do you expect this next time? Do you can, I mean, it's obviously not going to be a, a typical day on Parliament Hill. So just can you kind of paint a picture of how things look right now compared to normal with, with Parliament uh, or when, in fact, it does get back in session for even a brief period of time? Period of time? So on, uh, on the first occasion that Parliament was recalled, uh, Bill C-13 was tabled and it passed. Uh, and it got royal assent, which is which means it became law of the land. Uh, it required a lot of negotiations with colleagues in all parties. Uh, it required a lot of thoughtful scrutiny uh, by our Senate colleagues. And Parliament, uh, the House of Commons, didn't have every single MP in their seats. It was about uh, 30 or so MPs from all the different parties who represented proportionally uh, their parties in the House to uh, ensure that people could socially distance or physically distance themselves in their seats and to ensure that people who require travel from places like BC via airplane don't have to do that. Mm -hmm. 
I imagine that the upcoming uh, sitting uh, is also going to be done in a similar fashion. Um, I think the reason we're coming together uh, as a parliament to, to pass further expansions to the aid package that was announced is because we're, we're kind of building this response as we go, right? This is unprecedented. This has never happened before and we're doing everything we can to get it right and we're listening very closely to what Canadians have to say about what's working and who's left out and what can we do better and, and you know, being realistic about the fact that our economy is, is going to uh, stop uh, in many ways beyond essential workers. It's going to stop. And then we're going to need everybody to stay attached to their uh, employers, to be healthy, to be well, so that we can restart the engines of our economy on the other side of COVID. Now, when you're getting together for these, you know, sort of emergency sessions, I mean, just how critical are they to, to get people together quickly and to be able to pass some of the things that have been coming down when it comes to support for Canadians? I mean, there's there's reports out there, you know, that, you know, 30% of small businesses won't be able to make it through this whole COVID-19 situation, um, you know, when we're looking at being out of, out of, essentially out of business for two or three months here moving forward. Um, you know, so clearly there's a lot of support that needs to happen. People are in dire need of, of some dollars in some way shape or form whether it is employers or individuals here who are just trying to make it through you know every single day as it is right now just how important and how critical is it to make sure these these supports are available as soon as possible and and i guess that you know recalling parliament in a pretty rapid fashion is uh, an important way to make sure that gets done making sure parliamentary oversight is there on everything that's happening is really important for, for our country, for our democracy, and to our prime minister and our team. So that's why parliament continuing to have oversight is important. Uh, how important it is to ensure that people have money in their pockets right away so that they can rest assured that they can stay home, not go to work, and prevent the further uh, length of the COVID crisis in our country, that's our main priority right now. Uh, and, you know, Parliament can do everything it can. Our government, under the leadership of our Prime Minister, can do everything we can. But if Canadians uh, aren't on board and aren't physically distancing and self-monitoring for symptoms, then all of it is for naught. And as unique as this situation is that we all find ourselves in, the good news is is that Canadians individually have a lot of power to determine how long this COVID crisis lasts by following the advice of public health officials and experts. Uh, I am happy to say that on Monday, April 6th, the Canada Emergency Response Benefit Portal will open. People can apply online for those dollars to streamline it. We are asking people who were born between in January, February, or March to apply on Monday, those who were born in April, May, or June to apply on Tuesday, and those in July, August, September on Wednesday, and you get the points until Thursday. Um, you can apply at any time, of course, but we're going to process these applications in that order so that if you have a and i hope people apply to register online with cra so that we can directly deposit money in your bank account 
you can get that money between three to ten days after you've applied, depending on whether it's direct deposit or you're waiting for a check. So we want Canadians to be well. We want Canadians to be safe. We want to do everything we can to shorten the period of time that our country deals with COVID. And we're going to do everything we can, everything we can to make sure that we get through it, that we get through it together, and that we come out on the other side of it stronger. Now, just when talking about people, you know, filling out applications and starting that process, I mean, and you mentioned, you know, registering with CRA to make sure you can get a direct deposit. Uh, you know, how confident are you or have you heard any concerns about, you know, just the a system's ability to handle this overwhelming capacity that feels like it's potentially going to be coming in? Is it is it equipped and are you confident that Canadians won't have any problems here? I mean, we've heard, you know, Morno and, and Trudeau talk about their confidence in this. So I just wonder if, if you've heard anything otherwise where there might be an issue about about uh, just the capacity and the ability of the system to handle the volume that could be coming here uh, in the very near future? We are confident that we're doing everything we can. And I am confident in our team uh, and their teams to respond quickly to any glitches or challenges along the way. And you know, this is the first phase of our response. Uh, there's a second phase where we focus you know, from individuals more to uh, institutions and nonprofit and charitable sector. Uh, and then the third phase of this is the post-COVID economic recovery that's going to happen. So we're setting up our systems and our teams very quickly to get into a new rhythm, to build the capacity and to do everything we can to make sure that Canadians are able to be safe, to have money to spend on the essentials uh, and that we get through to this uh, to the other side of this crisis, uh, united as a country and stronger than ever. Well, Minister Mossif, thank you so much for your time today. I really do appreciate you making yourself available and, and taking a few minutes to chat with me. Um, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll always throw this question on the table before I let you go. Anything that you wanted to add or any message for Canadians that you want to deliver while I have you here? If you would like more information and updated information about what's available and what's happening on the federal government website, Canada.ca is the place to go. Um, my mom works in a long-term care home. Uh, so shout out to all the hospital workers, healthcare workers, those in long-term care facilities, those at grocery stores. We are so grateful to you and we're going to do everything we can to make your jobs and your lives easier. Thank you so much, Minister. Really appreciate it. And uh, stay safe out there, okay? Thank you. You as well. Take good care. That was the Honorable Miriam Monsiv, Minister for Women and Gender Equality and Rural Economic Development. Yeah, nice message there at the end to uh, give a shout out to our healthcare professionals and those working on the front lines. Uh, you know, I, I was watching or seeing some, some video and some commentary about what's going on around 7 o'clock. Uh, here in town as uh, we see the little uh, recession or processions of uh, emergency vehicles going around the hospital, kind of giving kudos to those who are, uh, you know, working the best to keep us protected. Lots of pots and pan banging as well. And, you know, it's just cool to see the community kind of gather and rally behind those that are trying their best to keep us safe. Coming up next, you know, tomorrow, it was said to be the date where we were all going to head out and vote on whether or not we wanted to see the city borrow about $45 million 
to build a new Kamloops Center for the Arts. Well, of course, that is not going to happen. And, uh, you know, what is the fear, I guess, or is that project in jeopardy now as a result of COVID-19? Probably too early to say, but I'm going to be joined by the Kamloops Center for the Arts Society President, Norm Daly, after this. So please stick around. More Jeff Andrea Show coming up. Listening to Jeff Andreas on Radio NL 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Hello and welcome back to the Jeff Andreas Show here on Friday, April the 3rd. Tomorrow was supposed to be the day that we here in Kamloops would head out to vote on whether we were in favor of borrowing up to $45 million to construct the new Kamloops Center for the Arts. The question was all set, the polling stations were selected, and then then came COVID-19. Here to talk a little bit more about all of this is Kamloops Center for the Arts Society President Norm Daly. Norm, how you doing here today? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks so much for taking the time. I really do appreciate it. So uh, just take me through a little bit about the mindset right now. I mean, how disappointing is it? You know, you guys have put in all this work to kind of rally the troops and get this yes vote out there. Um, you know, it was all set to take place tomorrow and it's not happening. So just a little bit of disappointment on your end that the vote isn't going to be going ahead at this time? Well, obviously there is disappointment. I think we had some uh, some very good momentum uh, within the community. Uh, people seem to be quite engaged in this process. However, you know, the, the disappointment has to be tempered by what is going on in the world right now. Uh, people are uh, sustaining job loss. Um, you know, we're, we're sheltering at home and, and doing all these various things to, to stop the spread and to flatten the curve, as they're, as they're speaking to. And I think uh, my disappointment is definitely tempered by the fact of what's going on in the world around us. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think we all are, are feeling that same way. It's just, you know, this has been something that we here in Kamloops have been talking about for quite some time. I moved here this past summer, and that was, you know, one of the things that's basically been front and center since I got here. And then, uh, you know, just a couple of weeks before this vote was set to take place, it's it's been pushed off and postponed until who knows when at this point in time. Um, you know, how confident were you that uh, the yes votes needed to come out to pass were actually going to show up tomorrow? Was there a pretty, a pretty widespread confidence among the yes group that that was going to happen? Well, I mean, yes, I think we were cautiously optimistic that uh, it would go uh, in favor this time. You know, however, until you uh, count the ballots in that ballot box, you're, you're never sure. And so, um, obviously, we would have had to wait till tomorrow evening and, and uh, been able to, to, uh, to deal with, with whatever the results were going to be. But uh, we were quite hopeful that uh, this was a time or the opportunity to, to, to you know, really make it happen. Now, with all of that said, I mean, I guess, how, how do things change here moving forward? I mean, this is a facility that I think many organizations feel is really, really needed in our community, right? We're really lacking something for not only performing arts, but just arts in general in order to be able to highlight the great work that happens in our community when it comes to the arts sector. But, you know, now just given what's happening and the fact that, uh, you know, these economic times that we're living in here as a result of COVID-19 are just so uncertain, I mean, it might depend on when this vote does get shifted to, but like, like, uh, you know, is there any fear now that uh, given a res given what we're going through right now that people maybe just won't have the appetite when they look at a question of saying yes to borrowing $45 million? That might be a little bit harder for people to, uh, to, to, to put forward, right? That might be a little bit more difficult for people to check that yes box when they don't know, uh, you know, what their own financial situation is. And, and the city is obviously in that same boat as well. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously there's employees with the city and, and they're laying people off. I mean, they're talking about doing different things regarding, uh, you know, potentially with the province and, and uh, property taxes, and so that's going to reduce their ability. And, I mean, you know, I don't believe there's any government leader that would ask citizens to make a decision 
around spending unless there was a massive infrastructure rollout from the federal and provincial government to you know to kickstart the economy post COVID. So you know, really, I, I believe that we we are on hold, um, and you know, we 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 have so much uncertainty right now, and you know, we have to see uh, where where this goes to and and what comes out of it. But you know, I just don't see without um, you know where I can see it is is that if it's one of the projects that uh, the federal and provincial government are uh, indicating would be a great way to get people back to work, um, a great opportunity to do things and, and providing a good chunk of the funding, um, that could be a possibility of, of how we could get it built in the short term. Um, other than that, I think we have to uh, real, you know, come to the realization of what uh, the new economy is going to be in the next uh, few months or years and uh, then come to some planning around it at that point. Yeah, and, and I wonder too, right, you mentioned that the fact that the, the government may have some, some ways to help kickstart the economy, to help uh, you know build projects such as a, an art center project. Um, so there is that possibility, and we look at also like potential for interest rates being relatively low coming out of this. You know, there might be some real reasons why it still may be a good idea to go ahead with things uh, you know, coming out of this pandemic. But I do also wonder, one of the things that was really key to this project was going to be fundraising, right, coming out of whether or not the, the yes votes showed up. So if it did get voted yes, there was going to need to be a pretty massive fundraising campaign that comes out of this. Um, that, that would be something, too, that I would have some concerns about whether or not people would be as willing to give their dollars to such a project than they would have been, you know, two, three, four weeks ago. Yeah, and that's that is the whole uncertainty that we are facing. Um, uh, you know, again, I think that if uh, well, you know one of the, the ways that it could be successful is if there was some infrastructure funding or, or large infrastructure funding uh, that would even be part of uh, that twenty-two million dollars that we're looking towards. But you know, at the end of the day, is I, I really think that we have to sit back, um, you know, take a, a peek at where we are, where the economy's at, uh, how well Kamloops uh, fared through this crisis, um, and then you know, really, we're going to start over from scratch. Um, and uh, you know, see what our plans are and, and what timeline that we'd have to uh, to move this forward. It is a venue and it is a project that the community needs, um, and I think it's just going to be you know finding the time or the right time uh, to make it happen. Yeah, Norma, I think you kind of touched on my last question here, but I will get you out of here on this. So what, what do you do now? You know, a lot of work has been put into this campaign to, to get ready for April 4th, and of course it's going to come and go without a vote. What do, what do you do at this point to keep the KCA top of mind? Is there anything that you can do, or is it basically just on hold until we figure out what next steps are? You know, I think what's important today is that people focus on supporting every effort to help our community and country to flatten the trajectory of this health crisis, and that's the most important thing. You know, the Camelot Center for the Arts Society is there. It's on idle. Um, when appropriate, uh, we'll get back to planning and thinking about it. Perfect. Great answer, Norm. Thank you so much for taking the time. Really do appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, one day we'll, we'll have a conversation around this Center for the Arts again. I uh, just don't know when that's going to be, but thanks so much for doing it here today. Thanks so much. Have a great day. You as well. That's Norm Daly, the president of the Kamloops Center for the Arts Society. Yeah, disappointing, I think, a little bit that that vote isn't going to go ahead tomorrow, just in the sense that we were all sort of looking forward to it, and we had been kind of building it up and getting ready for this day, and we had some uh, you know news coverage that we were all planning to bring you here over the course of the weekend on it, and of course that's all going to fall by the wayside. I know there is more important things to deal with right now in our world, but... Still disappointing that the things we look forward to just aren't going to be going ahead. Uh, you know, tomorrow was supposed to be the last day of the NHL season. I'm pretty still disappointed about that one, but maybe it's still going to happen. I doubt it, but maybe. Anyways, let's uh, let's move on here. It's it's time for me to shut things down here and get ready for the weekend. So uh, I'll wrap things up here. I want to thank all my guests for joining me. And of course, a big thank you to all of you for listening. And remember, whether you join me for a short while or a long while, just know we enjoyed our time while it lasted. Have yourself a great weekend. I'll be back here on Monday at nine.